1: You have accessed entry 721.LK1420, certificate number 14309, Lilith. Oh, oh, hello, Lilith. Surprise. Yeah, we're a little past that now, aren't we? Well,
0: <laughs> I know you're a Bible reader. John, yeah. you get back to the hotel room after the rock show, You slide open the nightstand drawer.
1: KGV waiting for me there. Pull out the Gideon Bible. Uh, Book of Mormon too, if it's a Marriott. weirdly. Yep, yep. I've I've uh, pl- read plenty of uh, plenty of snippets, pl- plenty of uh, life affirming snippets from the Book of Mormon. What about the uh,
0: What about the Bible? Do you uh, Do you start at the beginning? Do you feel like you know your your Adam
1: and Eve better than better no, than the rest
0: of the Bible? No, I think you started
1: I've, it many times, but never uh, quite got to the end. I've spent a lot more time with the Old Testament uh, than I think maybe most um most young Americans. Because and, oh, just I'm um, uh, you know I'm one of those Old Testament guys. Hipster. <laughs> I was into the Bible. Yeah, I, I like the early stuff. Cool.
0: I was into God before He got cool and chill and started healing people.
1: But I went to Jesuit school for a few years, so I did. I I took uh, a few, uh, quite a few Bible study courses that were you know sort of critical thinking Bible as historical document type Jesuit. You know the Jesuits like to be the ones that surprise you with how, um, they how want, radical they are. They want hot takes on the Bible. They do. The they Bible's do. not enough on on its own. So it's always fun to sit in a class with a man in his priestly vestments, who's ready to debunk the Bible for you. So he uh, sit on his chair backwards? Yeah, and he's just like, "Let me tell you." Uh, so, but uh, but I yeah I enjoy it yeah or have enjoyed it from from that standpoint quite a bit, but I'm not, I'm not anywhere near as Bible fluent as you are.
0: Well, what, what can you tell me about Adam and Eve? What what do you know about them? Well,
1: it's, they're not Adam and Steve. the first thing I'll tell you I'll tell you one thing thing
0: about (laughs) them. Yeah, that's all I know as well. Yeah. That's Uh, about
1: it. No, you know, I know their story. I, I know that they, uh, that they lived in a, in a happy garden and they were given, um, all the, all the beasts and the birds and the, Flowers in the trees, and then... Uh, Almost all the...
0: Well, all the beasts and birds and flowers.
1: Nearly all the trees. Nearly all the trees, except for the one tree that they... It's There's only one thing they were asked. One thing. You had one job. One job. Adam and Eve. Don't eat the fruit of this tree, please. Reasons unclear. God is
0: a jealous God. I don't know how big the garden is, but if the garden is sufficiently large and has a ton of trees and you want that tree to go uneaten, maybe just don't even mention it. And don't put it in the garden in the first place. Even if it's in the garden. it
1: seem, And also, it's apples, the best. So, it feels a little churlish, but God does this kind of thing all the time. It's actually not apples,
0: by the way. Gen- oh. Genesis only says fruit.
1: Uh, we think of
0: it as an apple because, I don't know, what's the origin of that?
1: I don't know. It could I don't be know. star fruit. It could, you know what it should have been is peaches, the most sensual like peaches look like a like a furry peaches
0: butt. today are the most sensual fruit, but I mean I, I wonder if the the butt like shape of the apple is is why the apple gets chosen. I don't know. The plum looks like a butt too,
1: and the peach looks way more like a butt than any other fruit.
0: I mean, the banana has its own possibilities. Sure, sure. Right? I mean, God, maybe but, more so for Eve. But or, when, or why Steve. didn't
1: guys? Why didn't God say like don't eat beets? That would have been a lot easier.
0: He knew they would. Well, they can't get the beets. The beets, so they are not yet tilling the ground by the sweat of their brow. Right. So how right. are you going to get out the beets? Right. The, true. I mean, the, be- the, the the fruit comes down from trees. Does this mean there's no root vegetables in the garden?
1: Uh, no potatoes. You would love it. Uh, but maybe the maybe the the pigs root up the vegetables so that Adam and Eve don't have to. <laughs> but, so, but then Beelzebub, there's got to be a better way. Uh, the uh, our, our, our um our favorite. Our favorite um, antagonist, our Satan. Favorite, our favorite antagonist. Satan arrives in the form of a serpent who tempts Eve with his uh, serpentine... His wild, His slitheriness and his... Th- 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 and Eve, because she's a woman, let's be honest...
0: That does seem to be the subtext of much of the tale.
1: ...has no power of resistance, is easily swayed by snake talk...
0: And says, She's obviously a uh, what, what, what is it when a Harry Potter can speak snake?
1: Oh, a Slytherin.
0: She's a parcel tongue. She's a, yeah. Yeah, I
1: don't e- know.
0: yeah Eve's a Slytherin. It's, it's canon that Eve's a Slytherin.
1: Uh, she eats the apple. Now, God doesn't notice, weirdly. <laughs> Until uh, God's not paying attention or something. God's like, busy in another part of the universe. He's somewhere else. Perfecting beats. Uh, even with his omniscience, doesn't pick up on the fact that Eve has eaten the, the apple. But what the reason God didn't want, or, or the fruit, the reason God didn't want this to happen is that self-awareness would descend upon her as one a thing, result. One thing you haven't mentioned is that they're naked. Right. Well, Sure. We all know they're naked. I mean, we're all naked. I mean, her hair is strategically Under placed clothes. In, in all uh, in all Bible, children's Bibles. Right. Uh, but, uh, but nakedness isn't the issue so much as uh, shame. Nakedness is a metaphor. Yeah. Shame and pride and all the things that goeth before a fall. Now they're laid naked. And so she somehow tempts Adam into it, not out of, not because she's Completely corrupted, but because the fruit was so good. She's like, baby, just try a fruit. And he's like, oh, I know, I was told not to by God. I'm not gonna eat that one. She's like, come on, baby. And then God notices this because they appear wearing leaves as garments. And God realizes that fashion is a sign of um, sin, moral moral sin. Which is 100% true. And then in reply, God throws them into the wilderness.
0: Can you imagine? One garden violation and they lost the privilege.
1: And we've also then lost the garden. We can't find it. It's somewhere in Mesopotamia, somewhere between the Tigers and Euphrates. We
0: know it's still there because God appoints angels to guard it to keep them from getting back in. Because if they did, they would eat from a different tree uh, and live
1: forever. It's like Wakanda. It's, <laughs> it's yeah. God puts a hologram uh-huh. it's, it's hiding out And then Adam and Eve have two sons
0: Yes, at least They start with two Then they get back down to one fairly
1: quickly Cain and Abel, or Romulus and Remus I always get those stories mixed up Cain the, and Abel They have two sons, the property brothers And Cain and Abel marry women from a nearby village And that's the point where the story gets a little... <laughs> Garbled. Well,
0: see this is a fun thing about the Bible, which is that among believers, there's a spectrum of belief regarding its inerrancy.
1: right, the literality.
0: Right. Uh, and you know all pretty pretty much all Christians believe the Bible to be inerrant in, it, but the question is what does that mean? Does that mean it's infallible? Does that mean it just generally won't lead you astray because it's been its principles are inspired in a general way? or does that mean it's an absolute literal authority? even on matters unrelated to theology. Like, can we treat it as a authority on history, for example?
1: Right. a law text.
0: Yes, or psychology, or cuisine, or fashion made out of fig leaves. And that's particularly problematic in the story of Adam and Eve, which uh, it raises certain historical problems if it's treated as the actual origin of human life on Earth.
1: From yeah. Uh, Adam lives to be 1,000? Yeah, eight or 900, something, yeah. something like Methuselah that. Methuselah is the old one, right? He's 900 years old. He's mid 900s. Adam, but Adam's not too far off. There were a lot of people living uh, 800 years at they, this point. I guess probably all the exercise they were getting, digging beets. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> now that they had to work for a living? You know what it was? It, they didn't have uh, so many free radicals and betas. Right. There were
0: no betas to block. Right. Um,. Because they hadn't gotten through the uh,
1: the atmosphere yet. So now, so within the uh, within the Christian cosmology, what are there are literalists across all, a lot of denominations. I don't think of Methodists as having many biblical literalists, but certainly there are evangelicals that are literalists. There are like, does Opus Die take the Bible? As the literal word of God?
0: Yes, it's more. It's less common in Catholicism in general, and more common among American evangelical Christians to be so strictly accurate to the Bible that you are forced to think of this as a literal story. There were two naked people in a garden about six thousand years ago, and then, and that's how life on Earth happened. Um, even right. though the story really just cries out to be read not literally. And within Mormonism, what is the take? A um, little bit complicated. Mormons are not all hung up on the inerrancy of the Bible because they've got their own fanfic.
1: They, they have a whole other Bible to be inerrant? They've got a backup
0: Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, c- central to the idea that the Book of Mormon exists is the idea that uh, the Bible is not solemn scripturum, that it's not the only Word of God because but wait, there's more.
1: Right, right. We, so so the Mormon Bible then becomes a uh, it's not just an appendix. It's, no, it but it's not a it doesn't supplant the New Testament.
0: No, the mean the Book of Mormon? Yeah. Yeah, no, the Book of Mormon is uh what would you say? A sequel? Uh, right. you know, it's, it's it becomes scripture becomes a franchise. Uh, whereas so the Bible's still great, but you no longer have to believe that the bible is the sole word of god and in fact because of the Bi- because you know the book of mormon seems
1: contemporary
0: yeah it's, it's it's the book of mormon's more in the spotlight uh it's a big part of latter day saint theology that the bible could have its own historical translation errors right that the book of mormon is not plagued by got you know god god is not so wrapped up in the bible it's not his it's not his uh, one hit wonder right i see so uh for whatever reason he allowed metaphor and a
1: game, vast game of telephone over the centuries with the Bible. Well, because, the Book of Mormon is written in a kind of bebop slang too, right? It's like, scooby dee da a doop doo Yeah, there's a lot of scatting. 19th century, like... It is absolutely not. It's 23-skidoo. It, it is written
0: in what <laughs> seems to be a 19th century... Uh,
1: Version of...
0: Uh, a pastiche yeah. of Jacobian English from the King James Bible. Right. Um, maybe to a fault. But the... Uh, So, but the literality of the Bible has been a big problem, is a theological problem that Mormonism attempts to solve with this idea that, uh, oh, there if if there's issues, there could be translation issues, because any number of atheists from the medieval, from the Middle Ages on down, have tried to debunk the Bible by pointing out inconsistencies within it. Right. Oh, this is your infallible scriptural text. Then why does Judas? uh, Hang himself in this one verse, and then disembowel himself later in this other verse.
1: It's just like surely a, he can't do both. I've been exp- experiencing when I took on uh, some of the Star Trek uh, canon recently <laughs> by asking why R two uh, didn't tell Luke that Anakin was his father. Uh, yeah, these are the original continuity problems. Yeah, I've since had two hundred thousand replies explaining uh, Star Trek, explaining uh, to me the reason. This is what's interesting about the Tumultic uh, tradition, where debate and argument is kind of part of the religious experience. So, and in fact, yeah, and in fact, gaps and apparent contradictions
0: in the text are are fruitful places to try to. Welcome. Yeah, elicit new kinds of discussion about the text. Um, But that's not really a tradition that exists much in a lot of Christianity. Oh, one other thing I was going to say about my own faith tradition. Is that uh, the literality of of the Adam and Eve story is very interesting because it's central to the Mormon temple liturgy. The Mormon temple, the ceremonies in Mormon temples are kind of a, a almost like a narrative passion play where the story of Genesis is reenacted. But so Adam and Eve get dialogue and stuff, and you know, and a lot of Mormons would tend to think of them as literal characters. But the ceremony also instructs you to think of them as just representatives of the human journey, you know. God has
1: placed us here on earth and we need to return to him. And And it's funny because in most Christianity, right, those characters have been, Adam and Eve are not. They don't have much to say. No, it's really, it's centered on the, on the Virgin and, and the Christ child. And it's, it's relocated to. Adam and Eve fell and
0: sinned. And that's pretty much where their story stops being relevant. When you think
1: of them, they're naked and very sensual. It seems weird to centralize them in the Mormon liturgy because it's, you know, it's a pretty
0: hot scene. <laughs> they, uh, well, I mean, at the very beginning, they're naked. They soon screw up, and then the the story becomes about their their eventual return to God from from their separate, you know, they've been cast out. Right. And they, re- they they must return to God through his own grace— through through I Christ's see. sacrifice and gospel, right? Um, There's a lot of retroactive sacrifice happening there. Yes, so yeah. becomes so it becomes a uh, it becomes a journey that represents all of us. So, oh, right. So in Mormon thought, I, I
1: feel represented. So in,
0: in, in Mormon, yeah, exactly. The representation matters. <laughs> I like to look up on screen and see uh, two naked people in a garden and uh-huh. think. That's me. That's my story. I
1: have that right here on my phone if you I, want. <laughs> I was watching it earlier. You probably have that in your backyard. Two naked people in a garden. That's that, Those are my search terms. So,
0: there's a tension in Mormonism between seeing them as literal characters and seeing them as what, what they clearly appear to be in the story, which is uh, a kind of a symbol of, I mean... Faithlessness. Yeah. Uh, or... Uh,
1: curiosity.
0: Falling, a, falling away from innocence, you know, yeah. joining – if God created the world, why is it like this? That's what the Adam and Eve story intends to demonstrate. Something had to have gone wrong at some point. Here's a story where we'll use a tree as the, as the metaphor
1: for well, that. Well, and part of it is God is inscrutable. Why? Why is it necessary that God be inscrutable? And God wouldn't need to be inscrutable if you had just obeyed. And it's that it's it's trying to contextualize that I think the fact that we are naturally disobedient at some level. Not you, you're lawful evil, but someone like me, (laughs) who's who's chaotic good, naturally disobedient.
0: And here's why we don't understand God. Something went. Here's the secret origin. Here's um, yeah, strange human adventures issue number one, where we find out why this all happened. From
1: now on, every time you can't understand why your child fell down a well. We have a, we have a story,
0: and these contradict these apparent contradictions that have uh, caused so much tension between believers and non-believers in the Bible. If you if you were going to insist on its infallibility,
1: infallibility, infallibility, you're turning into me. <laughs> uh, How many no, my, extra syllables are you going to put into these?
0: My words? pronunciation is completely <laughs> infallible, and we all know it. Um, the story of Genesis kind of seems to have its own little inconsistencies. As I'm sure you know, as I'm sure you're aware, John, in Genesis 127, the
1: the, the, the uh, Acute listeners will recognize Ken is paging through his Bible, but let me tell you that he does it every episode. He keeps his Bible <laughs> right at his elbow. <laughs> but, we're, and
0: but we're talking about Polaroid cameras. Whenever Sorry. I'm
1: talking, he is scanning his Bible just to try and keep my voice out of his head. I'm
0: trying to keep virtuous thoughts, <laughs> no matter what kind of depraved stuff you're talking about. Um, in Genesis chapter one, God's creating everything. He makes the sun and the moon, He makes animals, He makes plants, and then in 127. So God created humankind in His image. In the image of God He created them male and female, He created them. Then later. wait a minute, what about the what about the rib
1: and all and that's what so I'm far? telling you. Oh, okay.
0: later in chapter two, after God has already created uh, women and men in verse 18, then God says, it is not good that man shall be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. Um, this is kind of funny. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was his name. The man gave names to all cattle, apparently individual, <laughs> individual names. Beth, uh,
1: <laughs> Jonas.
0: Bossy. <laughs> and to the birds of the air, and to every animal of the field. But for the man, there was not found a helper as his partner. Oh, so, so, he needs a helper. So man's alone and needs a helper, and God like gives him every animal, and Adam's like, no. No, I don't need another that's horse. That's a cow, and no. No, that's
1: another cow, no. and still no. Shmoo. I said shmoo.
0: So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. And then he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. So there are two different stories— one in Genesis 1 and one in Genesis 2 of God creating men and women. But God, Genesis 1 is just an index, right? <laughs> it's, it's like a... For, table it's like, content? It's like the, right before the TV show starts. It's yeah. like, uh, here are some scenes from tonight's MacGyver <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> uh, it's a little bit tricky. Why are there two accounts? And the current state of biblical scholarship offers us what is called the documentary hypothesis. Which is that our current version of the Torah is a bunch of strands of other narrat- of different narratives that have been woven together. And things that are apparent contradictions are actually two different tellings of the same story with a slightly
1: different take or point of view. Like the um, Iliad, we're talking about things that were part of an oral tradition that were written down at some point by some scribes who had yes. 15 different versions that they had to... To believe in the documentary hypothesis, you have to get over the idea
0: that Moses one day sat down and wrote out the Bible beginning to end. And so this is a big, that's a big uh, bite of jerky to to tear off. Moses was busy. He's got a lot going on. He really did. I mean, he does have 40 years in the wilderness with abundant
1: free time, one would think. Uh, Weren't they walking around that whole time, though? Weren't they marching around in the wilderness? I feel like they stop a lot. They build tents. I suppose.
0: Uh, He's got a lot of breaks where he could work on his book. But yes, to believe in the documentary hypothesis, you have to think, actually, this evolved over time and was woven together. And that's tricky for believers, but it solves a lot of the problems. Why do uh, characters in the Old Testament have different names? Why is uh, Moses' father-in-law called Ruel in one place and then Jethro in another? Why does he get the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai in one place and Horeb in the other? Why do his people take the land from the Canaanites in one case and then the Amorites in a different place?
1: This doesn't solve a lot of questions because even the most basic copywriting uh, or just document editing. You would try to get the guy's name right. Yeah, you go back through and read it through once and go, oh, you know what? I tell this same story a couple of different places and I should at least sync them up. But probably I should just get rid of these other versions and just tell it once. Presumably it's out of respect for the original sources, I guess. Because by the time the sources were being collected by the scribes, they already had taken on... They have The, the imprimatur, imprimatur of, of holy scripture. Yeah. scripture.
0: Ah, interesting. So, uh, the uh, version of the part of Exodus, for example, where Jethro is called Ruel and Horeb is called Sinai and the Amorites are called Canaanites, that is what's called the Yahwist text or J, where God is usually called Yahweh.
1: Yeah. Although um, we can't say that.
0: Uh, we say, you. Uh, we leave out the vowels. Yeah, we can't say Yahweh. It's the Jewish Phenord.
1: Yeah, Phenord. <laughs> Don't say it. Don't even spell it. Don't look at it.
0: The other set of names, Jethro, Horeb, and the Amorites, are used in what's called E, the Elohist uh, text, where... But that's God, also another word you can't say. God is called Elohim. I just said it. Dang it. <laughs> what are you going to do? Stop it. And uh, so what if that's true, and the Old Testament is a weaving together of J and E, as well as two later sources, one priestly and one deuteronomist... Then you could you understand why Genesis oddly begins with Genesis one, where uh, Elohim creates everything, and then Genesis two, where Yahweh creates everything, uh, and they're kind of different, actually. Right. right. In the uh, in in the Latter Day Saint temple liturgy, when these uh, sections, when these chapters are dramatized. Uh, it's interesting. The first creation is depicted as kind of a virtual one. God is kind of a graphic designer on an easel with blueprints of what uh Really? of what ferns and tigers and the sun and moon will look like. Elohim has
1: a has a He's a, got a, green green, visor. a green visor. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and then then Genesis 2 is the hands-on. It's
1: uh, it's more the construction. It's breaking yeah, actual breaking ground on earth. He's wearing overalls and an engineer's hat.
0: Yeah, and I don't that's one way to read it, I guess. But really what's going on here is that two different strands have been woven together. And, uh, and as you say, the Talmudic thing to do would be to look at these apparent contradictions and tease out possible narratives. So there's a long tradition of doing that. When uh, Why does God create man male and female in Genesis 1, and then in Genesis 2, pull out Adam's rib and say, "'This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman.'" At last. Whoa, man. What, is it? Whoa <laughs> man. what does that even mean that at last man is getting, woman is getting created if man has already been created male and female?
1: Because Elohim had the idea and uh, and Yahweh kind of forgot that that was the plan.
0: Well, that, that would work in the context of Mormon temple liturgy, but that is not the rabbinical tradition.
1: What, are, what do the rabbis say?
0: So going back to about the 5th century, in some of the earliest Midrashic writings, just com- commentaries on uh, the Old Testament, the Genesis Rabbah, uh, a series of commentaries on Genesis, suggests that when God first created human beings... If they're male and female, but they're not separated, then God must have created hermaphroditic humans. Uh, I see. That's, this is what's called the primal androgyne. God creates a a man and a woman just stuck together back to back.
1: Man and a woman had a little baby. They've, they do have not had a little baby yet. They're they're they are one. They are um, they are it, represented by the zodiac sign, an arrow, a cross, and a crossed, a double cross. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's important is that they're both male and female. They have both sets of reproductive organs, I guess, on different sides. But
1: there aren't two of them. There's just one, they're, the ur-human. Yeah,
0: it's like a si- Siamese twins or something. Maybe, they've uh, I presume, it's usually drawn with four arms, four legs. I see. And they're hermaphroditic. And so, that solves your textual problem. God has created male and female. He just hasn't separated them out yet, right? Right. But it doesn't solve a few other problems later. For example, why would... God have to put Adam to sleep in order to separate them.
1: Ah! It's, I mean... I mean, it's modern surgical practice. Ouch! Right? It's an anesthetic. It depends. Were they sharing a liver? (laughs) Well, writers
0: of the Middle Ages would not have been able to consider modern anesthesia as an option here. Right. They're limited to their... 6th century knowledge.
1: But we also have the power of God to contend with. God should be able to separate them or make new ones. Sure, or
0: He can do whatever he wants. But why, I, why does he put Adam to sleep in uh, in Genesis? Why does he cause a deep sleep to come over Adam in
1: Genesis 2.20? He wants Eve to be a surprise?
0: <laughs> it's his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny. The um, the rabbinical treatment of this in Genesis probably Just this solution, that God had earlier tried to separate them. And Adam was really, he found it very off-putting when Adam saw God create this new body for his mate. Uh, the Genesis Rabbah suggests that maybe Adam, quote, saw her full of discharge and blood.
1: Yeah. Oh, right. And he then t- and, took a look inside and yeah. that took the sex away. And
0: then at that point, he could not have a romantic relationship oh, with his sure. partner because to, yeah. he knew, wait, she's full of discharge and blood. No, you need to dress her in veils, frankly. But this is a problem in life. We all know that our our significant others are full of discharge and blood.
1: Sure. Any uh, woman knows her man is because cause cause, just cause all right on the They table. probably farted on the first date. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, and as a result, Adam refused this first mate.
1: Well, oh, I can just see the rabbis just going to town on this one. It's funny
0: because what they like is the most complicated explanation possible. Like right. from this one narrative clue that Adam needs a deep sleep, they're like
1: clearly. But it's super psychological. There's right? the first it's, Eve. Yeah, there's oh, and Eve was gross at first.
0: He didn't want to see her insides because ew. And uh, so she, they uh, so God scraps this project. I see. Uh, I don't know if it's visor God or overalls God, <laughs> but, but, but first <laughs> Eve Eve Eve. 1.0 beta test Eve gets wiped away.
1: But I love that Adam is such a dupe that, like, Eve shows up two days later after he wakes up from a sleep and he completely forgets the first per- gory
0: perfect. Eve. This one is finally yeah. a girlfriend who's not full of
1: discharge and blood, <laughs> as I requested on, on <laughs> Tinder. <laughs> I mean, I imagine if you were, because there's, there's lots of examples of co joined twins and they're. Not lots. <laughs> I mean, but plenty, or I mean, I guess more than, more than a handful.
0: You're going to more interesting parties than
1: me. Uh, where, you know, where they're, they are co-joined at different places, right? Including some uh, uh, um, people that are just co-joined in and in easily separated.
0: There are some pairs that share brain lobes, and when one hears something, or when one thinks something, the other person will have to think it too, and when one sees something, it'll appear in the
1: other person's brain panel. Extraordinary, right? right? I mean, that's just... That's just astonishing. But I can't – I mean, even, even twins, uh, identical twins and the, and the things that they share. I mean, can you imagine – That's creepy being, enough. Being uh, co-joined with someone, that's a – and that has to have been true probably rarely in the ancient world, but enough that – Yeah, word would have filtered down. I mean, you know, a two-headed pig or whatever.
0: So, for 1,500 years, this has been a part of Jewish folklore, that there was a beta test eve – Mm-hmm. Um, in some versions, she actually survives, and Cain and Abel's conflict is over who gets to
1: the, marry like the only spare woman on earth. Whoa, who's like got a either a big scar on her side or is still like intestines hanging out. I assume she's finished at this point,
0: and Cain right, and Abel never saw her full of discharge and blood, so they're the perfect audience for her. Um
1: so she would be what relation to Cain and Abel at that point. Her, it's just your dad's old girlfriend your, your dad's well girlfriend or, Dad high, con- or dad's high school girlfriend or conjoined
0: twin. Oh, that's true. It's it, your aunt. It, it's like their dad's removed tumor. Right. It's like falling in love with your dad's appendix
1: hmm. in a jar. Hmm. Uh,
0: but in the in the most normal, in the most familiar telling, God just returns Eve one
1: to the dust. Uh, and there's also other Eve one. That sounds like a like a, like a uh, Star Trek. Uh, yeah, it sounds like a satellite. very. It's
0: a very cheap sci-fi channel program, Eve right? Won. <laughs> 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 there's also con- very conflicting traditions of Eve at this time. If, if this wasn't, if that idea wasn't misogynistic enough, hmm. that Adam gets to consign. I think it his, was. <laughs> his, no, it's going to get worse. Uh, a lot of the rabbis writing this stuff clearly have problems with women. Because what? because they How unlikely. they fixate on these traditions that she's not great and all the sins they all the weaknesses they associate with her seem to be the kind of stereotypical things you would
1: you would associate with bad female behavior. Well, I don't see any evidence of that in contemporary uh, hyper conservative Judaism, <laughs> where where women are at their liberty.
0: They call them. They call Eve. Uh, there's a tradition that she's arrogant, that she's a coquette, an eavesdropper, a gossip. She's jealous. She's frivolous. She's lazy. You're she's, describing she's my a bad, ideal woman. Are she's you a bad driver. Me? Yeah, this sounds great for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, bad driver? Come on. No, they didn't say that. But um, the tradition was to associate all the awful things that guys sit around and say about women to the first Eve. woman. Oh, Eve. And, one. And then to make her kind of a seductress, based on I guess three sixteen, you know your desire shall be to this woman. So she's also kind of a she's also kind of a temptress who leaves Adam astray, and that's in the that's in the text too with the fruit.
1: I mean, like I'm saying, all of these things they're—, they're you, have,
0: you have no complaints yet.
1: Yeah, I mean they're they're uh, they're features, not bugs.
0: There's even one early version of the story that ends, and this is going to be an unpleasant mental picture with uh, Eve actually having intimate relations with the servant, the
1: serpent. Hmm. We're into into hentai now.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, And this is surprisingly prevalent in medieval Jewish writing, this idea that that Eve is kind of
1: awful. But not doing it in order to produce half-human, half-serpent offspring, but just because she's become carnal. Yeah, I guess she's super carnal and she sees something shaped like a snake. What does 2020 mean for small businesses? You have to do more with less. Suddenly, every single hire is critical, but there are fewer resources to find the right people. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world, because Indeed gets you the best people
0: fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time. There are no long-term contracts. And the site has powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like... Sponsored jobs, which are three and a half times more likely than regular listings to result in a hire. In fact, 73% of online job seekers visit Indeed.com each month. They're going to get you the people you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses
1: in the past. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at indeed.com/omnibus. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com/omnibus. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. In later in the Middle Ages,
0: uh, there's an anonymous work called the Alphabet of Ben Sirach. Which I think first shows like our first printed example shows up in Greece in the 16th century, but it's it's hundreds of years older than that. And the alphabet of Ben Sirach makes an attempt of reconciling this idea of uh, the kind of the sinful medieval Eve with you know it's trying to answer the question why why would Adam be so into her if she's so awful. So, again, they do the rabbinical thing of making the story much more complicated. In the alphabet of Ben Sirach, uh, Sirach tells this story to Nebuchadnezzar. He says, while God created Adam, who was alone, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. So, he also created a woman from the disagree. earth. Disagree. Had... <laughs> you can't disagree with God. Okay. So. This is the premise of the story. I'm listening. He also created a woman from the earth as he had created Adam himself. Mm -hmm. So this is not from the rib. This is from the same clay as Adam. And called her Lilith. Adam and Lilith immediately began
1: to fight. What Fraser's girlfriend? (laughs) Yes. She is the (laughs) ultimate, I think.
0: The name I think that name is not a coincidence. Um, Because this Lilith is kind of a witchy woman. Uh, As we will see, the name Lilith actually predates this story, but this Genesis secret uh, secret origin for her is new. But here's what they're fighting about. She said, I will not lie below. And he said, I will not lie beneath you, but only on top, for you are fit only to be in the bottom position, while I am to be the superior one.
1: God has been listening in. I've had this conversation so many times. I will not be below. I will not be below.
0: So here it seems like it might be metaphorical, but I think most readings of the story, this is actually literally wow. who, who gets to be in which position. Right. And Lilith naughtily thinks she should be on top.
1: Well, I kind of agree.
0: Lilith responded.
1: <laughs> See, if you were in this story. <laughs> they, human human existence would be so much easier if I had been Adam. I'd been like, hey, you know
0: what, man? That's cool. That's cool. Lilith responded, we are equal to each other in as much as we were both created from the earth. She's got a pretty good case. Here, here. They're both made from the same clay. Why should Adam... Uh, made by the same God. Exactly. But they would not listen to one another. When Lilith saw this, she pronounced the ineffable name and flew away into the air.
1: What is the ineffable name? Uh, she,
0: she said a magic word. How do I learn the ineffable name? Uh, we will announce it at the end of the show.
1: I want to fly away <laughs> into the air sometimes.
0: It's Fanorn. <laughs> <laughs> Adam stood in, Adam stood in prayer before his creator. Sovereign of the universe, he said. I guess God's got a a, a fancy title in this version.
1: I know a new thing I'm going to require my daughter to call me.
0: The woman you gave me has run away. He's so helpless. He doesn't even, he doesn't do anything. He immediately is like, <laughs> Uncle Owen. At once, the Holy One, blessed be he, sent these three angels to bring her back.
1: Uh, now, is so- this tumultic uh, tradition we're reading now, or is this straight out of... Uh-
0: this is the alphabet of Ben Sirach, which, oh, ben w- Sirach. which is a, it's a midrash it's a commentary on the okay. Bible. The question is how are we supposed to read this?
1: Uh, but al- so this isn't part this isn't a biblical text. This is Ben Sidrach describing his impressions. Of- this is
0: f- anonymous fanfic. Right, I get it. Okay. This is Adam Lilith slash fic. Okay. And there's clues in the alphabet of Ben Sirach that we're not supposed to take it as straight Bible commentary. Like many Scholars believe it should be taken as satire. It's got fart jokes, for example. It does feel a little bit like a Shakespeare comedy here. It's got It's got masturbation and incest, and that's not unusual for the Old Testament. I mean, that would be a, a note in its favor. But the tone seems to be satirical, right, I see. And the question is, what's the point of this satirical story? Are we make is this are we poking fun at the woman, Lilith? Or is actually Adam the butt of the joke here? Adam feels
1: very cuck- cuckoldy here.
0: <laughs> he's yeah, he's he's useless. He yeah. gets he gets told what's what by his partner, and then she walks off, and he just has to tattle to God.
1: Right. He's not in. He's in no position to dominate Lilith.
0: Uh, God tells Adam, "Hey, if she agrees to come back, it's fine. But if not, she must permit one hundred of her children to die every day." Lilith wanders west to the Red Sea. What? And the angels say, well, we're going to drown you here, because she refuses to go back to Adam. And she says, leave me. I was created only to cause sickness to insults. If the infant is male, I have dominion over him for eight days after his birth, and a female for 20 days. So Lilith is now being connected to a tradition of a, uh, some kind of a an evil spirit, a demon that will stick around on earth and is a menace to children.
1: This is uh, so hot.
0: <laughs> And then uh, the angels tell her to go back again. She swears to them on God's name and says, whenever I see you or your names or your forms in an amulet, I will have no power over that infant. She cuts a deal that she can har- harm Adam's children and e- the, the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve uh, through her own evil offspring. But she agrees that uh, as per the, the guarantee, a hundred of her children are allowed to die every day. So but, her- she, but she's not cowed by the angels either. No, this, this woman is taking no guff wow. from anybody, uh, doesn't matter who. And so this explains, this is like a, a just-so story to explain that thing we all know, that every day 100 demons perish, and for the same reason we write these angels' name on the amulets of young children. Lilith will see the name of these three angels and remember her oath, and the child will be saved. Do to. to-
1: do uh, we do that? <laughs> do, you, do young
0: children get amulets in some religious tradition? Yes, apparently there are, uh, in Jewish folklore, in fact, we have found the, uh, the physical relics. There are uh, bowls and other kinds of uh, magical talismanic household devices that show a picture of a chained female demon. Uh, so there's this idea that uh, Lilith is now... From, from leaving Eden and getting replaced first by Discharge Woman and then finally by Eve, Adam's third attempt at a wife, so. uh, that she now is still around and spawning demons.
1: Who die 100 a day.
0: Who die 100 a day, but that's, that's just a, a dent. That's a drop in the bucket compared to all the evil they get up to. And so you need to have these items in your home, these amulets that show the names of these uh, uh, angels of health, and, uh, and bowls with a picture of Lilith chained, and that'll keep these demons from coming into your house
1: and doing the bad things they do. But this isn't something that's part of like a Lubavitcher sect. Or, uh, no one in contemporary, um, like, mystical Judaism is, is still worried about Lilith. Uh,
0: Lilith and her offspring, the Lilim, are uh, important in Kabbalah huh. and other Jewish traditions. So you know, even though it's not found in the Torah, interestingly, the word Lilith does make it into the Bible once. Um, in Isaiah thirty-four fourteen, uh, there's an accounting of all the kinds of terrible beasts that exist out in the desert, and uh, in many translation, well, in one translation, here's one translation: wildcats shall meet with hyenas. Goat demons shall call to each other. There too Lilith shall repose and find a place to rest.
1: Dogs and cats sleeping together.
0: It's, it's anarchy. Uh, in the King James Version, we don't see the word Lilith there. Uh, it actually says a screech owl. Like it's different versions. We'll call her a night monster, a night hag, a night demon. But she's a boogeyman that's out there scaring families, menacing kids, and, uh, and she's also the mother of all the incubi and succubi... Really? ...that will appear and make you do naughty sex things. Oh, my goodness. Like, one of the reasons why you have a chained Lilith in your house is because what if Lilith disguised as your spouse, either one, and came in and tricked your partner... Into, this is why
1: I never married.
0: Was that the number one thing you're worried about?
1: Well, among other things, I mean, I've I've, I've dated a few night hags.
0: Are you worried about the night hag impersonating your partner? or Are you worried about the night hag coming to your partner impersonating you?
1: Oh, I don't think I don't think a night hag could be any worse than me.
0: So you don't mind being cucked by a night hag?
1: <laughs> I feel like I feel like the danger is that I would get into what seemed like an innocuous conversation with my girlfriend, but really it was a conversation with a night hag who was going to. Make me stay up all night going over the same thing again and again.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to think what the origins of these kind of myths are. I mean, I guess I understand the demons that want to come out of the desert and kill your children. I mean, that's just a result of the fact that a lot of infants died then. And then, you know, still do. Like, SIDS will just kill a healthy baby and traumatize a family. Now, imagine a time when not only that, but there's hundreds of other diseases that are more common and you can't vaccinate for, you want to have some explanation of why you lost that child and maybe something you could do next time. Uh, as far as the incubi and succubi, I
1: mean, there has to be a reason for not— it has to be explained why people are defiant of God and why God is not all, always our friend— but there also needs to be an explanation of why people are so defiant of one another and you know from a from a group of rabbis perspective who is the most defiant probably their wives and daughters and so you know the 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 but it seems like this gives them an out hey that wasn't actually me doing
0: being all mean or or maybe seducing you in a naughty way that was that must have been the lillim,
1: right? And and it's just it's um, <clears throat> it's to try to explain all the witchy stuff that happens in bedrooms and between couples.
0: I guess it keeps that, it keeps the marriage together by the light of day, if you can say that's right. Boy, that was a weird supernatural thing that happened last night. Let's not talk about
1: it. No one has to own um all the crazy the all the crazy yelling that happens. Um, but also it does put. I mean, the idea of equality in a marriage uh, within, a, within a religious context, you know, there's an awful lot more equality uh, between any two people than is written into the law, right? You can, you can say the husband is superior to his wife in as many texts as you want, but when the door is closed and it's man and woman in a room, the, the relationship is going to be determined by who is the more dominant person regardless of what the law says. You're, you know, the husband can be like, the Bible says you need to, and she can just say, right. sorry, sorry, not not in my kitchen. Because
0: they've both got the same hostage. They, they both have the marriage yeah. as the
1: hostage. Right, and it's just the nature of human beings. There is no, I mean, um, men can dominate by size, but not by personality. You know, uh, any relationship that any, you've ever been in, it's not, um, dominance does not fall according to gender, by any means no and uh, so a lot maybe of these, maybe more than
0: i don't know like don't maybe know. it's easy to say that from a pers- from a perspective where we've kind of thrown off the religious trappings that i don't think so
1: i think you if think you, it would be the same if you put any two people man and woman in a room the one that is going to take charge is going to be the one that takes charge and not necessarily the one that even even a woman that that uh, on the surface says yes dear i adhere to the word of the bible like I mean, just your marriage, for example. I mean, Mindy's not taking any guff off of you. She is not, and you take a lot of guff off of her. I've seen it, but I deserve it. Well, yeah, exactly. But, you, but I mean, that
0: kind of gets around the the thousand little ways that, uh, as we raise boys and girls, we we don't set them up as we don't set up a parody. You know, like the thousands of messages we give to little girls that maybe you should. Defer instead of insisting. Well, I know, but maybe this you is... should withdraw instead of explore.
1: My suggestion is that that is all over. That's um, that's trying to compensate for the natural imbalance in the other direction. <laughs> we, we need to chop down little girls and puff up little boys just to make them equal. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna, I, I believe you will get letters.
0: <laughs> uh, I believe this is not true, but there's a folk etymology at least saying that our word lullaby comes from. Lilith Abi, Hebrew for Lilith be gone, which is a you know, a chant you would say over your sleeping child to keep the, the night demons away.
1: So now within any of these traditions, is there a cult of Lilith? Has there ever been a um like a like a secret sort of Kabbalah, but uh but that pays tribute to Lilith rather than just tries to keep her out of the bedroom?
0: Yes, both anciently and, uh, and in modernity. Uh, the, the reason why Lilith gets absorbed into the story is because of a Mesopotamian deity of the same name, a kind of, a kind of demonic, uh, succubus-like character who's kind of glomming her way into the story. So she's being borrowed from other bronze age traditions from the region. But in more recent years, was the, she
1: a god in those traditions and then became this sort of uh, spawn? Yeah, she has supernatural powers. Yeah. I mean, we're 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 going from clay fragments, you know. We're we're trying right. to But Adam in a biblical tradition doesn't have magic. Right? Adam cannot uh Cannot levitate a orb. He named a bunch of cows. Yeah. That's
0: pretty good. Yeah, yeah. More uh, than I've ever done. No, you're right. Uh, Lilith, you're right. In this story, Lilith, by having the ability to, you know, spawn a bajillion demons of the air, that seems to be something that Adam and her replacement Eve could not do. That's true. So, yeah, maybe that's because she's barred from a tradition where where she's a, a deity of some kind. But she also has become... Uh, a figure of less formal worship more recently. Uh, Lilith was kind of rehabilitated by the romantics huh. uh, in Goethe's Faust uh, she's presented as a oh, right. as an option to uh, to Faust. Mephistopheles um, shows Dr. Faustus shows Faust uh, Lilith and Faust is like who's that and Mephistopheles is like, well, this is Adam's first wife. Watch out for her her beauty's one boast is her dangerous hair. You know, when Lilith right. wraps her hair around you, she won't let you out again. So she's I kind remember. of a a woman who can ensnare you with her both literal and figurative wiles. And then the pre-Raphaelites would paint...
1: I hate to keep sighing in, in, uh, in like... You just want somebody to wrap you r- with her hair. desire at all of these descriptions. That's all you want. So well, she's a pre-Raphaelite.
0: Well, Dante, Dante Gabriel Rossetti famously painted... Uh, one of his kind of porcelain women with the long red hair and the icy stare and the poppies at her hand uh, and called it Lady Lilith. So, um, you know, you can't really, I mean, Eve is too motherly, I guess. Yeah,
1: yeah. To well, have,
0: to become this kind of an icon or a, 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 an archetype.
1: Well, we want to, after Eve sins and they're driven out, you know, it's a kind of black mark on Eve, but we want to forget it too. Like we don't want Eve to be a- Adam and Eve are fallen, but we don't want them to fall too far. Well, They're our it, mom and dad. Well we don't want yeah, we don't want to come from a broken
0: home. Right. Exactly. And uh but of Lilith, that's not true. Uh and and the fact that she has these occult powers make her very easy to use for any kind of literary device. For example, in uh, in C.S. Lewis's Narnia books, the villain, the White Witch, the title Witch of the Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe, hmm. is said to be a descendant of Lilith,
1: hmm. uh,
0: which gives you a, a way for evil to come into the world, not through Adam and Eve's lineage. Is she in Shakespeare? I don't think Lilith is mentioned in Shakespeare. I can't... I can't think of a case where she is, and honestly, I think that's because maybe she was a bit of an obscure figure until until renovated by the Romantics. But in because she is a, a powerful woman with power over the elements, as you can imagine, she's a really central figure in lots of different occult traditions today, including Wicca.
1: Right. Uh,
0: so there's your there's your modern worship of Lilith.
1: a woman.
0: And it turns into, speaking of popular music, it uh, inspires the mid 90s creation of Lilith Fair, the music festival, uh, where in Canadian folk singer Sarah McLaughlin got tired of being the token woman on all these bills and thought, wouldn't it be nice if a music festival could pass the Bechdel test? Right. If you could actually have multiple women on the set list or on the, uh, on the bill.
1: And. Then uh, Lilith Fair spawned Liz Fair. Yes. Liz <laughs> Fair emerged fully formed. Who spawned Ren Fair. From Lilith
0: Fair's, from Liz, uh, Sarah McLaughlin's head. Did you ever go to Lilith Fair in the 90s? I had
1: tickets to, I think, Lilith Fair 2. And I couldn't get anybody to give me a ride. Boom. And it was back in the day when it, when it seemed like tickets to I mean I had tickets to Lollapalooza and to End Fest and all those things early the like the good ones. You just went to Warp Tour every year. And I was like, uh, you know, I could go out to that or I could just sit here and drink Keystone Ice Light and smoke Winstons." It is pretty nice to not do stuff.
0: Every yes. time people email me t- wanting me to do something, I don't know how to explain to them like
1: you seem nice but do you know how much better it is to not do your thing especially festivals and especially festivals when you're poor (laughs) like like later on in life when i was uh, in the music business and could do festivals where when i was tired of all of that i could go through the fence to the other side there's a lounge where there were lounges and coolers but to be stuck out there in a sunbaked field that smells like a portable toilet. Ugh. I never wanted to
0: do it. My uh my Lilith Fair story is also a poverty story, but it it kind of involves the uh you know the ideal of feminine power that caused the festival to be named after Lilith from the Midrash. Uh I went with my 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 sister I think had gotten us tickets. Yeah. Uh which to, you, to which year? Fair, I think the second or third year. It was the it was the, you know, Paula Cole, Joan Osborne, maybe right. Liz Fair. it's it's exactly the the peak, yeah. The bill you're you're picturing. Uh and but my sister got mad because she had made us these she packed an elaborate lunch that got uh confiscated at the door by security that said no outside food. So my sister was already kind of pissed and the weather turned kind of towards the end of the night and uh Was this here at the gorge? Which one was it? No, this was uh maybe Park City, Utah, I, I think. See, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was at the gorge here, right? Yeah. Uh, and so the you know it's and really the the you know the wind is rising and you're starting to see speakers kind of visibly move. And I remember Sarah Mac- it was the closing act. Sarah McLachlan was on stage, and I remember her saying into the mic, "The goddesses are angry." <sighs> And the goddesses were very angry. I think they had to. I think they had to cut the, her set short. Yeah, they might have been angry at her saying that. <laughs> yeah, apparently, you'd think that the goddesses would love to have a music festival named for Lilith.
1: Right. Finally. Well, but maybe it's other goddesses who are jealous of Lilith. Oh, I right? see. Because you're in Park City, Utah. There are probably tons of like native goddesses there who are like, what the. Why do we have this Phoenician goddess? (laughs) Like,
0: we're we're and Shoshone Indian goddesses. (laughs) That's right. We're not going to put up with this crap. Uh, So I I saw pagan power exhibited by Lilith, or or possibly her Uh, enemies.
1: uh, Visited upon Lilith. Yes.
0: But she's, so she's a, you can see why she's such a tempting symbol to moderns, because if your options are Eve number one, who gets... Vaporized for being gross, for, for having bodily fluids. Right. Boo. Boo. By a bunch of, you know, uh, stodgy rabbis.
1: Or even uh, number two. Or even
0: number two, who just becomes a state uh, a scapegoat. Right. For being,
1: uh, what, too? Just sort too- of too, just not. For being disobedient, yeah, like but, for but but just not doing of, what she's told by a patriarchal god. Oh no, by being cucked. she's just cucked by the snake, <laughs> or Adam is, right? I mean, the snake seduces her. It's really a seduction, so she's unfaithful. Yeah, is what Eve too is,
0: and then that becomes associated with her own sexuality. You know, she that gets held against her.
1: But proto-Eve, Lilith, at least in this telling...
0: Lilith does not come from Adam's
1: side, so nope. she's not an appendage. She's equal to him and refuses to be dominated They're by They're both made him.
0: from the same clay. She immediately walks away when she tries to get uh, forced by the patriarchy to
1: do stuff she's not comfortable with. Defies the angels right to their face, and then eventually gets sort of cursed with this demonic status. S- superhuman powers. Right. So she, you know, for speaking truth to power, she actually... Lives forever. The thing is, if you look around a room and can't pick out who the demon is, the demon is you. And she probably isn't even, she's probably not, she doesn't think of herself as a demon, right? She thinks she's doing a good job. Just like everybody thinks they're doing a good job. Well,
0: even in the Midrash, written by a bunch of misogynistic rabbis, she really comes off very sympathetically. Yeah. Like, you feel for her. All she wanted was to be on top, and as a
1: result, she gets punished forever. I think probably, you know, the rabbis that were writing that stuff went home and like ran it by their wives. So it had to be, the story had to... (laughs) Can we try the reverse rabbi tonight? Pass a little mustard there. And that concludes Lilith. Entry 721.LK1420. Certificate number 14309 in the omnibus. Futurelings, in the unlikely event that social media still exists in your era, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram are archived at Omnibus Project. I'm almost 100% sure that Lilith is the primary god of the future, and all other gods seem like demigods.
0: I guess this is very risky, then, if we're if we're speaking to future Lilith worshippers, and we're explaining our half-baked understanding of her powers.
1: Yeah, but who knows whether we are the Tumuldak scholars and the future think uh, the future only became aware of lilith and her encompassing power through our midwifery
0: i mean this is kind of a the omnibus is kind of a midrash on human culture right i mean we're not going to look everything up we're just going to we're just going to say well you got to blame the industrial revolution for
1: that one sure we put all of the stories together we don't bother really like editing out the contradictions because <laughs> uh, that would be too much trouble. In the end, it's a it's a document that will be interpreted.
0: You're giving the uh, I'm giving the Elohist text, right? Or E, and you're giving the Johnist text the or J, Yahwehist, or
1: y- Yo-ha- Yo- Johannes.
0: and they get we- weaved weaving together. Right.
1: the The future Clarence Clemenses will have to sit up upon their mighty thrones <laughs> and figure out what the heck we were saying this whole time. Be excellent to each other. <laughs> um. You can find Ken's, uh, apocrypha at Ken Jennings and my own, um... Pseudepigraphic, yeah. That's right. My, my, uh, gospel of Judas at John Roderick, my gospel of Mary Magdalene. Um, I'm also on Instagram where you can see a lot of photos of me taken by various Mary Magdalene's.
0: Mary Magdalene.
1: Magdalene. Um... Uh, well, you can email us at the at gmail dot com. If you uh, if you would like to discourse on all of the ways that my speculative history of gender is uh, incorrect for a variety of reasons, just address that email to Ken at the project at no, gmail. If you send com.
0: it to the patriarchy at omnibusproject.com, John sees those.
1: <laughs> uh, if you want to uh, talk to other people about how uh, how wrong I am, or misguided, or or um, or potentially destructive, my ideas are problematic. Problematic. That's the word I was looking for. Go to the Futurelings group on Facebook and try out your theory and see how it's received by the group. Even mm. if you don't have a theory, just cancel John. Just cancel me. You don't have to replace it with anything. Go for it. Do your best. Just her down. Take your best shot. I think the futurelings will rally to my, to my sword, rally to my to my flag. But over on uh, Reddit or Discord, who knows what they'll do? I sure won't, because I never go there. Try it out. Uh, if you want to mail us copies of your own apocrypha, at PO Box five five seven four four Shoreline Washington nine eight one five five, Ken will compile them into our new scripture, the Book of Lilith. The book of uh, Addenda. That's,
0: yeah, that's right. We, we actually have our own omnibus <laughs> fanfiction now that we are writing ourselves. We do. We one, do. One bonus episode a month for our, our kind and generous Patreon donors.
1: Every month we put out a, an episode of Addenda where we take your thoughts into consideration. Sort of. <laughs> I take it into consideration. Ken just tries to refute you. Uh, and you can listen to that addenda episode if you sub- if you uh, if you support the show at patreon.com slash omnibusproject. It is a great bit of content. In a world starved for content, omnibus project addenda is the content you're looking for. If your problem is there are only hundreds and hundreds of episodes of this show and you want more. And thousands and thousands of other podcasts that are not as good.
0: <laughs> tens of thousands, probably. How many podcasts would you say there are?
1: I don't know, but thousands and thousands would also them. encompasses
0: tens of thousands. Nope. It ends at 9,999. <laughs> Every time you add a zero,
1: you have to use a different unit. <laughs> How many podcasts are there? God, that's a, a question I don't even want to consider. How many podcasts can dance on the head of a pin? Well, it's like bands. You know, when my band sold 30,000 copies of a record and I was like, 30,000 copies, that's kind of not that great. Somebody at the time said... You know that that puts you in the top two percent of all records l- released last year. I was like, "You're kidding me!" And they were like, "No, because there's there's so many. There's like five hundred thousand records that all sell um, between copies? yeah between uh, 100 and 600 copies. And so yeah, it's wow. A, it's that really a, makes you think before attempting anything in any arena. <laughs> well, I, and in fact, Omnibus. I mean, all four of my podcasts are in the top five percent of all podcasts. Because of the listener, because, the, because there are so many that have 50 Maybe listeners.
0: even higher, just, yeah, the barrier to entry is so
1: low yeah. in, in this order, medium. I think that the ones that we focus on, the ones that have 250,000 to a million listeners, are such a small fraction of the 1% of podcasts that have that many listeners.
0: Same in publishing. Like, the vast number of books uh, do not make back their advance, but the publishers are kept afloat by the, by the six that right. sold 100 times what anybody thought. Listeners, from our vantage point here in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived before the lillum of the desert uh, emerged to feast upon our bones. We hope and pray that that catastrophe may never come, but if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word. But if providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus.